Swing and a line drive, left field. Benintendi coming on, dives. And did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Frankly, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you all happen to be listening. Welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast. Tonight we will be covering uh, kind of a unique episode of Red Sox baseball, which we will be getting into in a few minutes. First episode in quite some time. Nobody really knows what the hell is going on, what to expect, any timetables. We're just kind of just kind of getting together because what what else, you know, do we have to do under what's essentially, you know, a national uh, lockdown. So, I am Terry Cushman and joined tonight by the full crew of the Benny and the Bets podcast, Andrew Dwan, Al Nahigian, Jason Kelly, Charlie Smith, all here for this episode. How are you, gentlemen? What's going on? Yeah, not much. Just <laughs> hanging in there. <laughs> Literally can't do much. Been, so figure come I've here. Been in the past couple days. Apparently there's something going on. I don't know. <laughs> so I guess, you know, my life hasn't really changed a ton. I haul U.S. mail for a living. You know, that hasn't been halted in any way. So... You know, my daily routine is fairly normal. It just sucks when I get home at night. You know, there's just not, there's only so much Netflix you can handle and whatnot. But um, I'm just kind of missing the sport. Uh, Andrew, what's going on, uh, you know, in your world? How how has this kind of changed things for you? I, you know, I'm actually still working. Um, restaurants are still considered an essential business out here, which is getting a little ridiculous, but, uh, yeah, I'm still going in every five days a week, so not too much has changed other than being bored out of my mind when I get home. Uh, really, the only thing I have going on for me is Tiger King at this minute, so <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where uh, my life is at this point. Jason, uh, you know, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Yeah, not much has changed for me because I already work from home to begin with. Um, so I'm I'm still working. I'm still going through my usual routine. Um, really, the only thing that's changed for me is that, you know, a lot of things are closed around me. Gym is closed uh, and, you know, just kind of self-quarantining for a while. So it's it's been a dull kind of week. It'll be a dull another seven days before Baker hopefully uh, opens things up again on the 7th. But We'll see how it goes. Other than that, it's been pretty quiet. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but they just extended the uh, national social distancing for another, like, 30 days. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's Great. awesome. Al, what about yourself? How's the Saugus area? <clears throat> uh, Saugus is Saugus. It never changes. Just ask Jared Carabas. Uh, as far as for me, I unfortunately am out of work. I am 
part-time in, in, in the education system. So obviously schools are closed, so no work for me. I also work in a baseball facility. I was talking to Charlie before we started recording, and that's closed down. So I unfortunately am out of work right now. But besides that, doing a lot of work on the Couch Guy Sports podcast. As Actually, I don't think I told you, Terry. I got a new role there. Oh, yeah? I'm sort of in a n- new role. Yeah, What's I am on? the uh, – di- digital director so basically i got to make sure everybody posts on a certain day edit articles all that stuff so that's been keeping me busy a lot of video games a lot of exercising I have a little gazebo that i walk around outside but <laughs> other than that you know just trying to make the best of it and uh, uh excuse me charlie what's going on uh it's been a lot of the same a lot of watching some netflix Ta- that tiger king is something that my buddy started singing when we were playing call of duty and i was like you gotta stop singing that damn song man so i watched the trailer and i said holy crap i could see why someone would get hitched on this um i actually just recently finished up the night manager with hugh Laurie, the guy who was in house and i absolutely love that man um so a lot of netflix a lot of amazon priming a lot of video games a lot of uh just watching you know old highlights you know some people go to sleep to the sound of music some go to the sound of rain i actually most recently went to bed to the sound of the 2004 game seven alcs but that's just me (laughs) oh it sounds good to me (laughs) yeah it was great yeah so uh there was some mlb news last week you know the the league would like to kind of get back uh to spring training in mid-may i don't know if may 15th was the date but mid-may and then get the season started around uh early june and then they discussed uh playing as many games as possible uh I don't know what a split doubleheader is, but that was brought up, and they want to extend the season into October and then have some neutral sites uh, to accommodate, I think, the cold weather cities, um, you know, throughout the playoffs and whatnot. So they very much seem to be, you know, determined to start at some point, but they did uh, say that they are going to. Uh, act, you know, on the advice of the CDC, government officials, and whatnot. So it, it still kind of depends on them. And if if they're extending it out 30 days, I don't know what that does to timelines. It still does kind of fit the mid-May thing. And I, I I will say, I think four weeks, you know, is a lifetime, <laughs> you know, in a situation like this. So, you know, things could get you know, remarkably better or, you know, or worse. So, so it's, you know, up in the air, but those are are currently the, the thought processes uh, going on right now. It's going to be interesting. uh, Yeah. If if this thing got extended another 30 days, I don't know exactly what that really means for, (coughs) for, for baseball and all that, but, um, I mean, I guess if they want to start spring training by mid-May, that's still a possibility. So we'll see. Yeah, and I also forgot to mention that they're uh, also considering no uh, fans in the stands uh, as well. So that could, um, you know, lower the risk or whatever, you know, of, of stuff spreading. But But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so, Charlie, uh, I'm going to hand it over to you uh, for the rest of the show here. This was uh, kind of, you know, your your own concept that you mm-hmm. developed. So um, why don't you let everyone know what we're going to do and, uh, 
and uh, get us uh, off and running. Thank you, Terry. So a couple years ago, I, I read an article about someone who had posted. He said he challenged. Um, it's not my original idea. The way that we constructed this was was my idea, but not the original thought was uh, constructing a team of your choice over the last 25 years, bringing one player from each year to create your 25 man squad. So what I said, let's do we're going to we're going to do this with all five guys. What we're going to do is we're going to create three little mini draft videos. It was the first, um, I believe, by, I think, year. Then we did position, and then we did the, um, one of the five guys. So we have five players, or five years, five positions uh, that all five of us were um, drafted to. And with those five years, we can select any one of those five positions to find a player to construct our 25-man team. We could not use the same player twice, and luckily, all five guys came up with five different names, so we didn't have to run into that conundrum. And uh, the way that we're going to have it set up, Jason's going to go first. Uh, Jason had the first pick out of the 25, and next is going to be Andrew with his five, Alan with his five, Terry will go with his five, I will go with my five, and as a bonus, because this year is going to actually have 26 men now, uh, we're going to come up with one live for the 1994 season. It can be a pitcher or a hitter, and we can explain why we wanted that player. Sounds good. So, uh, Jason, I'm going to let you take it away. There's no order that you need to follow. If you'd like to go in chronological order from 1998 all the way to 2019, you are more than welcome to. If you want to break it up into whatever order, you can do that as well. Uh, but if you could explain a little bit about why you went with certain players um, and maybe some of the uh, tough decisions you had to make. Not everyone had, uh, there's, you know, some, some of them were easy years, some, some were easy positions, but not all of them were. You had a couple fun ones. You made a couple last-minute changes, which was fun. Um, but I'm going to let you take it away for the next couple minutes. Okay, great. Um, so I figure I'll just go in chronological order just because that's uh, a little easier for me. Um, so we'll start with the 1998 pick. Uh, I was drafted to pick a closer slash reliever from that year. Um, this was kind of a fun one because Dennis Eckersley was on that squad. 43-year-old Eck was was still going. Uh, uh, granted, his you know his numbers weren't great, and there are a couple of other favorites there. De- Derek Lowe was there. He was kind of a starter and reliever. El Guapo, Rich Garces was there. But the guy that I went with was Tom Flash Gordon. Uh, who had a sensational year in 98. He uh, pitched in 73 games, ended up with 46 saves. Um, the, the most overwhelming stat, though, for him that year was he made 73 appearances, 79 innings pitched. He only gave up two home runs, which is kind of astounding. Like, you look at the best closers in the game today, even if their ERA is sub two and, you know, they're – making the all-star team, like, they're giving up 8 to 10 home runs around there. Granted, the game has changed. You know, there's a lot more home run hitters these days. Um, but Tom Gordon, kind of in the still in the steroid era there, only gave up two homers in, like, 79 innings. So that was that's pretty impressive. Uh, he had a great year in 98, so I decided to go with him. Um, so after that, we have the 2008 roster um and i was drafted to choose a starting pitcher and that year 
Uh, there was really only one guy who, you know, stood out. Well, there were two. John Lester was on that team. John Lester was awesome that year, as he kind of always was. But the guy who really shone that year was actually Dice K. Matsuzaka, and that's who I picked. It was probably his, without a doubt, it was his best season uh, as a Red Sox. And, you know, obviously his career did not pan out the way we hoped it would. Uh, he was grossly overpaid, and we heard all this stuff about, oh, he's going to bring his gyro ball with him and, you know, this mysterious pitch that no one had ever seen. Um, and he just wasn't that good. He was very inconsistent, couldn't stay healthy. But in 2008, he went 18-3, and 2.9 ERA, um, you know, 154 strikeouts, 29 games started. So he was he was good that year. Granted, he probably could have started more games. I think he did get hurt a little bit that year. And I think if he hadn't, he might have been in the Cy Young uh, conversation a little bit more. But he was awesome that year, 18-3 and three and just – you know, I really, that was the year that we all thought, finally, here's the dice game that we paid for and that, you know, he's really going to reach that full potential. And yeah, unfortunately, that never really happened. Um, but at least for 2008, dice game was really good. And I thought he was the best choice for that year. Um, so now we go to 2014, where we had to take a, another relief pitcher slash closer. Um and this one, the, the bullpen was really, uh, really not a good bullpen this year. Um, Koji was there, but this is sort of like post-World Series Koji when he started to show his age a little bit, started to slip off a little bit uh, as ERA went up. And he was still good. He was still Koji, but he wasn't quite, you know, the same dominant pitcher that he was. Some of the other guys in that pen, I mean, Bark Badenhop, who I – barely remember Edward Mujica, Craig Breslow. Like it was, it was kind of a, a thin, thin bullpen. Um, so the guy that I chose was Junichi Tozawa, who was, uh, he was 28 years old that year, 71 games. So he made 71 appearances. He led the bullpen in appearances, 2.86 ERA, uh, struck out 64 batters. Again, a, another guy who 63 inning pitch only gave up five homers. So he was reliable in that regard. Um, you know, he didn't really give up the long ball a whole lot. So he was really good that year. Tazawa was a good Red Sox pitcher for a number of years, really. I mean, he was here for a long time. And, you know, unfortunately, I think his age caught up with him and he kind of faded fast. I think the last team he was with was the Marlins. Um, and he only survived there for like two seasons, I think, before getting sent to the minors, and I'm not even sure he's in the major leagues anymore. Uh, but 2014, he was really good, and they kind of needed him because, like I said, Koji was starting to slip, and the rest of that bullpen just wasn't wasn't any great shakes. So Junichi Tozawa is your 2014 selection. Uh, moving on to 2005, um, I decided – so I was drafted to take a catcher, and – Let's face it, it's it's going to be the captain. It's going to be Tech. And this was one of his better years. Uh, this was the year he hit 22 bombs. You know, he was 33 years old at the time, so kind of getting into that veteran status. But that was when him and Mirabelli were the tandem. And uh, Tech had a great year in 05. Like I said, 22 homers, 281 batting average, 366 on base. Um, 
he was a good offensive force that year on what was kind of a, I don't know, it was an okay offensive team. Manny and Ortiz did most of the damage, you know, 40-plus home runs each. But, um, you know, he had Edgar Renteria, who just kind of never really panned out here. Mark Bellhorn was your starting second baseman. He was awful that year. Um, Tech was good. And this was one of his better offensive years of his career. So that seemed like an obvious choice for 2005 to take uh, Jason Veritek. Um, so for my last draft pick, this was from last year's team, the 2019 Boston Red Sox. And again, it was a reliever or closer, really, especially in that bullpen, only one good choice. And it was Brandon Workman, uh, who finally kind of blossomed after, you know, being converted to a reliever. Um, and in one, 1.88 ERA, uh, kind of like sneaky, one of the better closers once he finally, if he was finally tagged a closer, which they never would. Um, I, I don't know why they wouldn't, but they, they tried to do this stupid closer by committee when it just should have been workman. Uh, I mean, 73 games, 104 strikeouts, and he only gave up one homer in 71 innings pitched. I mean, the guy was... The guy was a force, and, you know, he's 30, so he's kind of a late bloomer now. Um, but when, when slash if baseball comes back this year, like, I'm glad that Renicky kind of early on said he's going to be the closer. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. We're not going to do a closer by committee. It's going to be Workman. He earned it. Um, the only thing really with him is just he's got to get the walks down. He did walk 45 guys last year. And you kind of see that with you know with a guy who's got a big curveball like he does. It's like sometimes it, it works out great. You can strike guys out with it, and other times it's just hitting the dirt every single time. That's really my only gripe with him. But Workman was awesome last year, and I think he's definitely earned the closer role uh, for this team. We'll see for how long. I mean, again, he's a late bloomer, so it may be a flash in the pan, but at least for 2019 it was – a strong flash in the pan. So he was the obvious choice for that one. So um, that was my fifth pick. So to summarize, just real quick, 1998, we took Flash Gordon. 2008, we took Daisuke Matsuzaka. From the 2014 team, we took Junichi Tazawa. From the 2005 team, we took Jason Baratek. And from last year's team, the 2019 squad, we took Brandon Workman. So there you go. Those are my five picks. A couple of pretty decent pitchers there. Hart, it's, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I give you a lot of credit for actually sticking with the position in that year. You didn't have to. You still did it. And that was, uh, those are some some tough picks. Brandon Workman, that's a cupcake. Uh, tech, hard to argue. With all those picks that you made, the only one that I was like, hmm, you already mentioned was Burke ba- Badenhop. And uh, in that year, he had 72 thirds innings pitched, uh, struck out 40 guys. It wasn't a huge strikeout guy, but he had only allowed one home run. He did have an 0-3 record, but a 2.29 ERA. I think those are solid options. You had the the task of also getting a lot of pitchers. So you had a couple of closers, uh, a reliever, a starter, and you have the captain. So well done. Thank you. Yeah, the the one that really gutted me, I have to admit, was taking Gordon over Eckersley because I love Eck. We all love Eck. He's one of my favorite players of all time. But Gordon was just so nasty that year that I, I had to do it. So, 
And I, I don't want to steal any of your thunder, but I know that right before we, uh, right before you took Junichi Tozawa and Jason Veritek, you had a couple other selections. Right. Yeah. So I, I actually had swapped those years, um, and I'm trying to remember exactly now who I took because uh, I know I swapped it last minute. But so I think you, had, from, you had Mike Timlin. That's it. Yeah. And you had AJ Pierzynski. Yeah. So. <laughs> So Timlin was much was an easier pick than Brzezinski. Timlin was really good in 05. Um, he he had a he had a good season that year. He actually was better than Keith Folk because that was kind of after Folk dropped off after being a hero in 04. Um, the Brzezinski pick, yeah, I, I wasn't thrilled with that one. I mean, he wasn't here that long, and you know he's kind of an a hole. So uh, I was I was happy to make that swap uh, last minute because yeah, I didn't feel great about those. No, that was that was solid. Um, anybody else have any insight on those five picks? <clears throat> kind of hard to argue with that. And those selections, they pretty good across the board. I, I don't think I would feel strongly one way or another to try to convince him to go with a different player. I love it. I love those five picks. Solid picks. Right on. I agree. Excellent. All right, cool. So we're going to swing in. Uh, Jason, thank you so much. Uh, next up, Andrew, sir, you are on the clock. All right, well, so mine were pretty easy, uh, not because they were obvious because they had great years, because it was more so because no one else had worse years than these guys. Um, it was almost sort of when – you don't have like something good about to say something about someone and you say at least they have their health. Uh, that's kind of where my selections stood here. So I'm going to go in chronological order and we're going to start in 97. <laughs> um, way back then. Um, definitely don't even barely remember the season, honestly. So I had a utility outfielder. For utility outfield, I kind of wanted to select a guy that played multiple positions you know both on the infield and the outfield so i went with uh, jeff fry uh kind of an obvious pick when you just look at the stats across the board uh had a really good batting average that year stole some bases um and pretty much did everything you want from a utility guy you know played when he needed to play hit when he needed to hit played 127 games you know just a pretty good guy to have uh on your team you know some um, kind of what every team looks for. Uh, I don't know if you guys looked at the 97 roster and had another option, but yeah, uh, just, you know, eyeballing it right now. It looks like, um, does anyone remember Jesus Tavares? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, uh, the only guy from that roster that I remember other than Fry was Mike Stanley. Uh, nope. Yeah, I mean, the only other utility outfielder was Will Cordero, and, you know, I think he might have gotten canceled by 2020 cancel culture for uh, his actions during the 97 season. I don't know if you guys remember, he uh, got arrested for domestic abuse. So, yeah, he, he didn't make the cut here. Um, yeah, uh, Shane Mack. Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a pretty uh, pretty easy selection in '97. Wish I could 
you know, dive more into some stats and some tidbits. But, yeah, we're going to go ahead and give that to Jeff Fry. I remember I had a baseball game for, I think it was like N64. He absolutely killed it in that one. So that's another reason I went with him. Um, so then we're going to go ahead and move on to 2001. Uh, had third base. Um, again, pretty cut and dry. That was Shea Hillenbrand that year. That was his rookie year. He kind of burst onto the scene, had a really nice year. Uh, I can't remember if he was super highly regarded as a prospect. I think he was, you know, well-received, but I think he kind of exceeded expectations there. And, you know, he came on and he he really performed uh, well when he, you know, when he played that season he got in 140 games hit 263 with 12 bombs so yeah he was uh he was my choice unfortunately the left side of the infield took a hit that year with a, a very very injured nomar um i think that was the year that started all those wrist in- injuries for him so yeah uh let's see who else did we have that year for infield we had uh izzy alcantara oh God. everyone remembers him <laughs> Uh, as much as I, I wanted to pick him, unfortunately, he was more so a second baseman that year. Uh, I was just going to add him for flair. But, yeah, I, I couldn't pick him. But, you know, if you ever need someone to charge the mound, and <laughs> I guess he's going to be the, your, <laughs> your first pick there. Um, I yeah. had two guys who charged the mound that team. Jose Offerman was there, too. Jose, uh, I hated Jose Offman. Well, they signed him for what his speed, and I remember they gave up a first round pick for uh, for taking him, and he was just ass when he came to the Sox. Yeah, he, he had some really good years with the Royals, but <laughs> after the Sox signed him, it was terrible. I honestly think that the O one team might might go down as one of my hate, most hated teams of all time. I hated Frank Castillo. I remember every time he turned on a game, Frank Castillo was letting up like a 550-foot home run. Yeah. It, that was just a <laughs> terrible, terrible year. And I'm actually kind of mad that I remember all this now. It's like bringing up like PTSD right now. I, it's just just brutal. I guess we had Hideo Nomo that year. That That, that was nice. They had, uh, they had some real slobs in that bullpen too. Rod Beck and El Guapo. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is oh my god. I guess I didn't look into the pitching. Now I'm looking into this. I'm like pulling my hair out. Oh my god. Derek Lowe, five and ten record as a closer. That Derek, was the fun yeah. year for Derek Lowe because that was the year where they started experimenting <laughs> with him as a starter. <laughs> So for as crazy as it was, the following year, Derek Lowe found gold. Was that the next year he found gold? The next Because I thought I had 0-2 and I had Ugi Urbina. Yeah, he was a full-blown starter, yeah. Was he? Oh, 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 starter, yeah. Yeah, it looks like he started three games in 0-1. And sorry that I'm going off on pitchers for 0-1, but I have nothing else to say about Shea Hillenbrand at this point. Um, but yeah, Shea Hillenbrand – you know, it worked out for a few years. I remember he was really pissed off when we traded him, but we needed a closer because the whole uh, Williamson in the eighth and Timlin in the ninth uh, unfortunately wasn't cutting it at that point. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and move on to 0-2. Uh, we have a really stand-up guy in Uga Therbina. Um, <laughs> had a great year. Uh, he, he was ex- as exciting on the mound as he was off of it. 
Um, had 40 saves that year. Yeah, really good year. ERA, yeah, sitting right dead at three. So, yeah, I remember he, he had a really big fastball, and he was always fun to watch. Uh, probably got – who did – can't think of the life of me who they got him from, but, yeah, he, he was great. Was it Was it the Expos? Yeah, he was an Expo. Okay. Yeah, um, I remember loving Oogie. He he was awesome. Uh, Unfortunately, he definitely started falling off after that. I don't know if he got released to free agency or if it sucks trading him, but that was his last year in a Red Sox uniform. Um, He killed it. Uh, The only other guy that really had more than one save for that team was Tim Wakefield. Um, and he was he was splitting time in the bullpen and in the starting rotation. Uh, always fun, but I can't unfortunately pick Wakefield to go ahead and you know save a game for me. That's uh, my heart can't take that at that point. Uh, so <laughs> Oogie Urbina, he of the kidnapping and pouring gasoline and uh, getting attempted murders charged on him, is my closer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, misfit toys is what i got throughout this whole thing who else did we have oh uh, we had alan Embry. i think was that his first year at the red sox when he had that huge wadded dip on the left side of his cheek and he was just standing on the mound firing fastballs in i guess um, i get on with uh, him but... joined the red sox back in 2002 okay yeah so that was year one i loved Embry. I mean, you know, he was kind of that rare breed of fireball and lefty. So, I guess... uh, 2002, like, was such an old man squad, too. Like, (laughs) especially when you look at the lineup, like, Carlos Baerga and Tony Clark. Like, oh, jeez. Carlos Baerga, oh, my God. They signed him for power, and he hit two home runs. Fantastic. (laughs) Way to go. Yeah. I remember, uh, did Tony right. Clark have a home run in his like first at bat on opening day, and then like didn't hit another one for like four months or something? I, I vaguely remember that it was like a really cold and rainy day, and he hit a bomb, and then did nothing after that. So yeah, t- that, just two terrible years in a row. Um, moving on to, I guess another kind of <laughs> year. It was kind of you know. In 06 for the Red Sox, it was, you know, was what it was. It wasn't great. They only won 86 games that year. Um, definitely could have been better. A lot of guys are really underachieved, and it starts with that pitching staff. So I had 06, and I mean, the, some of the names on here, you think, yeah, it's some really good options. Like, that's that should be Beckett's prime. Unfortunately, he decided to be a total ass that year. And he, uh, what was his ERA? 5.01. Fantastic work by him. So instead of, instead of a 26-year-old Beckett, I went with a 39-year-old Kurt Schilling who had his last good year with a sub-4 ERA. He won 15 games, which, you know, that's nothing to, yeah. Right home. But. <laughs> <laughs> He's my ace of the staff with the 15 wins, which I guess if we ever get a season this year, we'd take. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what else I would have chose. Lester really wasn't Lester at that point. Um, next year was, you know, was kind of his coming out party. Uh, he did go 7-2, and two, which is pretty nice. But, 
I couldn't really pick a guy that only had 81 innings pitched. Uh, Wakefield was giving up bombs left and right. Uh, Matt Clement didn't make the cut. I don't think he still was recovered from getting absolutely smoked with a line drive when he was having a really nice season. Um, that really sucked. I had really high expectations for him when he signed, but obviously that got derailed. Uh, David Wells, uh, another option. <laughs> oh, but, and if I'm picking a guy to go a whole season, I don't think a 43-year-old uh, physical wonder like David Wells was going to be the guy. Um, David Pauly wasn't <laughs> going to be an option for me. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? This is just de- depressing. Devern Hansack. I don't think that was his no-hitter year where he th- he threw through that uh, rain-aided six-inning no-hitter. I don't know if anyone else remembers that one. That's oh, yeah. you know that's not on the MLB Network for classic games, but it was a no-no at the end of the day. I know, uh, it's a good thing that uh, Lenny DiNardo got himself a nice cushy studio job at Nesson because his seven point eight five ERA that year <laughs> wasn't great. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Like, look what you gave me, Charlie. Look what you – I never did anything <laughs> bad to you. This is what you give me. Kyle Snyder. What was he, the seventh pick of the draft that year or uh, for the Royals a few years before that? And then the Red Sox are like, hey, this guy's going to come in and do work. No. <laughs> just absolute ass. Yeah. This is just you terrible. Know, you unfortunately had – you know, I actually, hold on. Wait, we had that's four. You still have one more. Yeah. Ah, yeah, at least I, I do finish up on a somewhat of a good note. But we had a 4.83 team ERA that year. Oof. Is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is pathetic. We had, let's see, we had three complete games. One of them was by Julian Tavares. Oh, I forgot about Julian Tavares. I would have picked him. God, oh, this is just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't look at this anymore. At least we had Papelbon. He had a monster year. Oh, God. He could just go back into the starting rotation. All right. So 2010, you got a rare, very rare, like, leap year, rare, healthy year out of Clay Buckholtz. He was an absolute monster this year. Um, it came down to him or Lester. <laughs> Lester actually finished higher than Clay Buckholtz in uh, – the Cy Young voting that year, which I kind of found a little interesting. Because, um, I mean, <sighs> Buckholz was a monster. He went 17-7 with a 2.3 ERA. Granted, he only had uh, 173 innings pitched. I think that was his – was that his no-hitter year? I probably should research this. Well, so his no-hitter year, first year in the bigs, it was 2007. Oh, was because that what it was? Okay. Uh, that's true. Yeah, what am I saying? I remember that one now. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, Baltimore Orioles. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, well, Buckholz was an absolute stud. That was like uh, the year everyone was waiting for out of him. I remember uh, when he was coming up, Sox prospects used to do a player comparison, which thankfully they've gotten rid of since because um, – the player compa- comparisons were laughable. They compa- His comparison was Roger Clemens. Um, probably his build was the same. No. Uh, yeah, so this 17-7 year out of Buckholz was money. Um, 
again, Lester, you guys, I don't know. Do you think I should pick Tim? I, you guys, two hundred eight innings pitched. I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know. I I I loved Buckholtz that year. The craziest stat about this Clay Buckholtz year, though, he had a seventy hundred seventy three innings pitched, hundred and twenty strikeouts. That's you know, that is a lot fewer than I remember uh, him that year. But I think that's probably a big reason why Lester finished ahead of him in the in the Cy Young. Book yeah, at two twenty five that year. So. They, they always pump up guys who strike out people more. I guess, I mean, their whip was essentially the same. Um, I guess Lester had a better uh, just the ERA. Or no, no, he didn't. No, I'm saying Buckles absolutely did. Yeah, but, Buckles was known for not being a flamethrower, but he had that nasty hanging curveball that uh, when he really did have his, his earlier years, <laughs> it had some nice lip on it. But as he got older, that curveball was a little bit more uh, – visible and easy to hit so he lost his effectiveness yeah i always thought you know that buckles really should have had a lot more strikeouts than he did uh he really had some fil- filthy stuff um i mean his arsenal was great and i'm kind of like 50 percent certain he might be our fifth starter this year if we get baseball so who knows we might actually get to see it again sometime yeah and wouldn't even argue against it <laughs> But yeah, I'm just going through his um, year by year strikeouts. He really never lit the world on fire. Uh, career high of 132 in 2014. Career high. Career high. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, uh, what did you guys think of those picks? Yeah, yeah great all years. For years. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah he. So- did we make the playoffs any of those years? We did in 97. We went no. to the – I thought we went to the ALCS that year against Cleveland. No, I had 06. It wasn't 07, unfortunately. No, 97. Yeah, no, the Red Sox, they did not make – I don't think they finished higher than third any of those years. So really, really good job by uh, by everyone involved in the uh, – <laughs> on the team that year. Although I will say I did like the 2010 team. It had some uh, some guys I really did like at the time. Um, I loved Victor Martinez. I was a huge Adrian Beltre fan. Uh, always loved Mike Cameron. Um, he was a oh, was a favorite of mine. Bill Hall loved him in Milwaukee. Um, turns out he pitched a game. I was like looking at. I was like, when the hell did he pitch? Because I was looking through everyone that pitched that year. Yep. He was one of those guys. Uh, you know, they won 89 games. Definitely was a – it wasn't great. It wasn't the worst. Um, some guys really, you know, Well, everybody, everybody went down with injuries, though. You know, yeah. Beckett was lost. Pedroia had the foot injury that year. I, I don't know if he even came back. I think he tried to. Uh, Beldre basically ran into Ellsbury like a Mack truck, took him out for yep. the year. <laughs> um, Veritek had a foot injury. I just I can't believe Francona won 89 games with that team that year with just all those call-ups from the minors and the Bill Halls, the Jeremy Hermitas uh, that were playing in the lineup almost daily in the second half of the year. And you know you put you put John Farrell on that team to manage, and that's a seventy-two win team. But 
Francona got 89 out of them. And if the five wild cards existed uh, during that season, we would have been the fifth wild card. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, they could have caught him on a good day and advanced. I mean, if uh, Lackey, you know, he was always pretty solid in the playoffs. He, at least he pitched over 200 innings that year. Um, they might have actually been able to sneak up on a team with a combination of Lackey, Lester, and Clay. Um, and then Daniel Bard and, you know, kind of solidifying the bullpen with Papelbon, who actually had a – very disappointing year that year. I kind of forgot about how bad he was, even though his save numbers were good. Still had an ERA, almost four. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of the ending of the horrible, not very good selection that Charlie gave me here. Uh, can't thank you enough. If we ever do this again, maybe we can, you know, give me one year that uh, Josh Beckett didn't do terribly. Uh, just give me a playoff year next time. So, so far, you and Jason actually had a lot more – you had more pitchers than hitters, so that's a foreshadowing. We're going to have a lot more offense coming up in the second half. I actually – I was absolutely shocked that you went with Shea Hillenbrand and you left Adrian Beltre off. Wait. I thought I had to pick the third baseman for that year. No, so that was, that was, the, uh, that was the structure was you were given five years and five positions. And oh, could... I thought I had to pick that year of that position. Nope. Oh. Well, that changes things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely uh, Beltre. Oh, Beltre hit three twenty one with twenty eight jacks that year. Oh, well, see you, so Shaq. I, or ship me out for Bionni and Kim again. <laughs> I love the Jeff Fry pick. He was a spectacular. I actually do remember him back in ninety seven, and he played every single position except for catcher and pitcher. And he is the <laughs> definition of the nineties version of Brock Holt, Swiss Army knife. He could do everything. Um, loved it. Um, I actually would have, if I had the opportunity to switch around, granted, now we know, I was actually going to throw in um, Urbina back in 01 when he got, when they traded for him because he had a, you know, we had a small sample size, but I didn't want to let go of Derek Lowe in 2002 when he won over 20 games and Adrian Beltre back in 2010. Yeah, you know, I was kind of, I was looking in Jeff Fry a little bit more. I had no idea, but he's uh, Ian Kinsler's agent. I had no idea it was even an agent now, so found that a little interesting. Yep. And then so. I had one more fun fact. Tim Wakefield on every single one of these teams spanning, uh, what was it, 14 years? So good for Tim Wakefield. Yeah. 17, actually, 94 to 2011. <laughs> so, but, yeah, excellent observation. All right, right on. So with uh, Andrew in the book, we got Alan going up third. You are on, sir. <clears throat> Thank you, Charlie. I'm not even going to lie when I say this. I probably had the easiest picks out of just about everybody, given the years and given the positions. So, yeah, there wasn't much thought to these. They were pretty straightforward and pretty no, pretty much no-brainers at this point. I guess the one I'll start with is <clears throat> excuse me, 2000 Utility Outfielder. I took a look at that roster. Keep in mind, I was about seven years old at that point. So, obviously, that season is not going to be as fresh in my mind as some of the more recent seasons. But one name that stood out to me, and I'm sure it's a name that you all can put a little smile on your face about when you think about it, was uh, Carl Everett. So, Carl Carl Everett during 2000, it was actually arguably the best year of his whole career. And keep in mind, it was his first year in Boston after coming from Houston in 99. 
And in that season, Carl Everett hit 300. He had 34 home runs, which was a career high for him. He had 108 RBIs. And a number that was kind of astonishing was he had a 959 OPS. And the funny part is, is Carl Everett in 2000 isn't even what I remember, even is not what I remember about him. I remember him in 01. And I'm sure you guys all remember this too. The Yankee game at Fenway Park when Mussina was throwing his, I think it was a either a perfect game or a no hitter. I forget which one it was. And Carl Everett broke it up with a bloop single. I don't know yeah. if you guys remember that game at all. I have so many Carl Everett memories that I probably shouldn't have, but they're all for the such terrible reasons. <laughs> yeah. I was at the game. Where, I don't know if any of you guys remember this, but a, a ball hidden in the outfield went into a beer cup, and he like lost his freaking mind over it. He was so pissed. I mean, dude, it's just going to be a double. But, yeah, he like lost his shit over it, and it, it, it was the only time I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, it was something. I think I remember – I think I was at the game, too, where he, like, argued at home plate for about 10 straight minutes even after he got ejected. I forget who it was against, but, you know, good Carl Everett memories, you know? So, Carl Everett, 2000, utility outfielder. Uh, the next one I'm going to go with, I had 2011 closer-reliever, and there were a couple options I could have gone with here. could have gone with Daniel Bard. That was one intriguing option, but the option that I ultimately decided to go on was our good friend Jonathan Papelbon. And I'm sure all of you remember Papelbon, flamethrower, decent slider, dancing in his underwear after winning the ALCS. You know, typical typical baseball player moves. Uh, Papelbon in that 11 season, not his best season with the Red Sox, but it still was actually okay. Had 31 saves that year in 64 and a third innings pitch. He had 87 strikeouts and 10 walks, which I actually thought was pretty impressive, and a 2.94 ERA. So, like I said, not bad. But, again, maybe could have gone with Bard. I think that's about the only other option I could have gone with. I don't know if you guys would have taken Bard over Papelbon in that situation. But for me, Papelbon always has a place in my heart. So I'm gonna, I'm going with Jonathan Papelbon in 2011. The next one I'm going to go with is a starting outfielder. Not necessarily starting outfielder, but an outfielder from the 2018 World Series year that we just encountered. And, I mean, this is another – this is a no-dub pick. Mookie Betts. Obviously, you kind of have to take him. He was the American League MVP in 2018. He also won a gold glove that year, too, so it just shows how well-rounded he was and how well-rounded of a baseball player he is. 346 average, 32 home runs, 80 RBIs, 30 stolen bases. I I mean, it just seemed like whenever the Red Sox needed a spark during the regular season, note I said regular season, Mookie Betts was that guy that you just could count on in any situation, whether it was gunning a runner out at second or, you know, having a good at bat or hitting a big grand slam against the Blue Jays and it was time to party with Eckersley. So I think we all had good memories with Mookie Betts in that World Series year. Just like that whole year in general was just a great year to remember. So Mookie Betts, 2018, that's my outfielder. Pretty easy. Uh, Another position that I had, so those were two outfielders and a reliever and closer. The last two I had were starting pitchers. The first one I'm going to go with from 2017, as much as Terry's not going to like this one, uh, Chris Sale. This was the first year that Sale was in the organization from the trade from the White Sox, and I was ecstatic to have Chris Sale. And I don't know how you guys felt about the trade, but for me, I was ecstatic to actually have a guy that could come in and be the ace of this staff, which David Price was supposed to be, and he didn't show it in 2016. But – Chris Sale, 2017, is probably his best season with the Red Sox. I mean, he had over 300 strikeouts that year, 308 to be exact, 
2.90 ERA, 17 wins. Not that wins really means anything for a pitcher, but still good accomplishment to have. And that was all in 214 and a third innings pitch. So that was arguably Sale's best year, and he showed why he was dominant in Chicago for so many years and sort of gave Red Sox fans sort of something to look forward to within the coming years. And then obviously the injury bug hit him hard. So, But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the good times right now. And then finally, 1999, starting pitcher. I would get crucified by this whole crew if I didn't take this guy. Uh, some guy, I don't – I Pedro – Martinez, I think that's how you say it. I don't even know, but Pedro Martinez, 1999, should have been the AL MVP that year, I think. Pudge Rodriguez, great catcher, probably one of the best catchers in the game, but I'm sorry. Pedro should have gotten the MVP that year, in my opinion. I don't care if it's a pitcher winning the MVP. He should have gotten it. Uh, 2.07 ERA, which is just unheard of nowadays in baseball. If anybody had that, it would just be considered miraculous. 23-4 uh, and four record, 213 and a third innings pitched. Similar to Sale, he also had 300 Ks. He had 313 strikeouts in the year, along with 37 walks. And that was just prime Pedro. And it, it again, there just there was no other choice. That was the one that it was like, okay, right off the bat, boom, done. Pedro Martinez, very simple, very easy. I mean, again, a lot of these, and I don't know if Charlie planned this on purpose. If he did, I thank him for it. But it was just. I think pretty much all these picks, except for maybe the exception of Papelbon, were pretty easy moving as far as just who should be it for those specific seasons. So to recap again, Carl Everett, utility outfielder, 2000. Jonathan Papelbon, closer-reliever in 2011. Mookie Betts, starting outfielder, 2018. Chris Sale, starting pitcher, 2017. Pedro Martinez, starting pitcher, 1999. Yeah, what it came down to is I liked you more than I liked Andrew. No, I'm kidding. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> no, that. That's the first time I've ever heard that. Thank you. No, no it, it was completely random. Uh, as soon as 99 and uh, starting pitcher were in there, I already threw that in there because if that didn't happen, we were going to have to have a conversation off the air. Um, but I, I agree with you. Pedro Martinez in 99 should have won the uh, AL MVP that year. That was back in the late 90s. Steroid era was alive and well. And Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez was on that list, so I digress. I don't think anyone has any issues with those five selections. Solid. No, yeah, it's hard to debate really any of those. That's a slam dunk all around. Uh, T dollar sign Cushman, sir. Yes, okay, and let me just for Al, just for his, I, I don't have any ill will towards Sale. I, I mean, I, in the future, I'm an extreme pessimist, but he was he was great that year. And, you know, and I, I think we don't have to hold the, the playoff game against the Astros against him so much now either, you know, in recent months because of the Yeah, I think he gets a pass on that one. Yeah, so that's all good. But anyway, I... Uh, I kind of had some cupcake years to go over. Two, two out of my five uh, were World Series years, as we'll get to. Another two were playoff years, and then one was a last place year. But anyway, going in chronological order here, I'm really excited that I get this guy. Uh, I got selected for 2007, where I had to pick a starting pitcher. Josh Beckett was the obvious choice there. I'm a huge Beckett fan. I get that he was polarizing. Some people might be surprised I, I actually like him because, you know, I'm not a Pedroia guy, wasn't a David Price guy. But I thought Beckett, you know, backed it up a lot better, you know, and 
And, uh, you know, that was one of the better years of his career. He, um, he won the most games in the American League that season with 20. He was the Cy Young runner-up to CC Sabathia. Made 30 starts, a 3.27 ERA with 194 strikeouts. He was an assassin in the postseason. He was 4-0 throughout that entire run. Uh, had uh, He won the ALCS MVP, and uh, his postseason ERA was 1.20. So a very uh, good year. The first year, as we covered, very dismal. You know, that trade didn't look great with the Marlins with that 5.01 ERA, but uh, we got the pitcher we wanted out of him in 2007. I'm going to pull a switcheroo here. Um, I My next uh, year was 2009. I had to pick a utility infielder. Initially, I went with Dustin Pedroia, but I am going to, uh, at the last second, give it to Kevin Euclid. Uh, Euclid played less uh, games uh, that year, 136, compared to Pedroia's 134, but was a monster at the plate, had a, a 305 average uh, with a 413 OBP. You know, he was always uh, strong in that category. And actually, that was his best year as far as uh, on base percentage goes as well, a 548. Uh, slugging percentage in a uh, .961, um, you know, OPS. And he was sixth in the um, MVP category. Pedroia also had a very good year, though, as well. Uh, you know, he led the league in runs. That's been a, a key stat, uh, you know, amongst baseball nerds in recent years. He did steal 20 bases to Euclid's seven, uh, you know, was pretty stout in the power department with 15 home runs, 72 RBIs, but I hate, I hate to do it, but I got to give it to Euclid. Everyone knows I'm a Dustin Pedroia hater. Anyway, fun fact, I didn't like Euclid either. I thought he was a bit of a crybaby. Um, he, he was even more injury prone, uh, than Pedroia if you're comparing their primes. And, um, but I gotta, I gotta give it to Euc. 2012, um, this is uh, the only bad year I had, and it was a last place year. It was infamously the Bobby Valentine year. I had to pick an outfielder. Jacoby Ellsbury decided to quit doing steroids, so and he only played 70-something games because of a shoulder injury. The best outfielder on the Red Sox that season, and I really enjoyed this guy while he was here. It was the only year he did play for the Red Sox was Cody Ross. And with the Giants two years earlier uh, during their World Series run, he was the NLCS MVP. So, you know, he, he had had some success. It was kind of a nice acquisition. He uh, batted 267 that season with a 326 uh, on base percentage. A little low, but, you know, not much to pick from. Slugging percentage, uh, 481 with a uh, 807 uh, OPS, 22 home runs, 81 RBIs. He was a, a very positive uh, influence, you know, throughout the clubhouse. And I, quite frankly, we ended up getting Johnny Gomes, but at the time I was pretty stunned they didn't bring him back for the 2013 season. But 
nonetheless, uh, you know, that was uh, my outfielder for that year. My next uh, slot was uh, a first baseman from the 2013 season. I went with David Ortiz because, and Mike Napoli would have been a fine choice, but after conferring with Charlie on what I could and couldn't do, um, Ortiz was applicable for that position. Um, He hit... He did, and he did play first base in the World Series, by the way, of which he also hit 688. So it's a good thing he could play first base uh, to be able to put up those offensive numbers. I don't know where that 688 stands in World Series history. I'm assuming it's got to be top five if it's not top one. Uh, I'm surprised the Cardinals continued to pitch to him. And it was over seven or 800 until the last game or two. And then it slipped all the way down to 688. And, you know, just, you know, one of the most, basically one of the most clutch players in, in postseason history, uh, regardless. So he was the World Series MVP that year. So goes without saying, David Ortiz. 2016, I had to pick a shortstop, no-brainer, Xander Bogarts. He had a better year that year than what I actually remembered uh, when I went to do the research. That was really his first breakout season as a bona fide power hitter. Hit 29 home runs with uh, 89 RBIs. Very good numbers all across his slash line. He was a, a two 94 hitter, uh, 356 on base, 446 slugging with an 802 uh, uh, OPS. So uh, made the all-star team that year. Wasn't great in the postseason, but neither was the rest of the team. We got swept by Cleveland. But but really, finally, that, that season that uh, we knew he was capable of. And surprisingly, his only other all-star year, because he was pretty good in 2017 and 18, but uh, only made the all-star season that 2016 and then 2019. So um, those are my picks. I think... Uh, I only had one Andrew year in there. That was a 2012, but uh, at least I got to mention Cody Ross, and um, that's who I had. You know, I got I, I have to pick, have a bone to pick with you. You should really introduce them as the cheerful Cody Ross, as I <laughs> call them. Okay. I, I believe that is a criteria that can't be altered. So. If you ever have to talk about him in the future, that that's how you please address him. I will uh, conform to that. <laughs> Cody Ross, especially his bat flips, like when he knew that he just hit one onto the mass pike. Oh, I wish he was around for another season or two just to experience that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I couldn't believe they didn't bring him back. But Gomes was really clutch in the postseason, and he was one of the more clutch uh, pinch hitters that uh, I can recall uh, during the regular season as well. Um, But I still would have loved to have had, had Ross So, I don't know if I'm the only one here, but I don't know what what we have. We just we have a bunch of of, of Mikey Lowell haters here. Mikey Lowell in 2007, I would have taken him over Josh Beckett. I love Mikey Lowell. I thought I had to pick a starting pitcher. I think there was a little bit of miscommunication. So, oh. um, <laughs> he had five five years and five position players. 
I would have actually, what I would have done, and and maybe I don't know if you would have changed your mind on this. I would have actually taken Michael Owen all seven, and I would have taken uh, Johnny Lester in 09. That's what I would have switched those two position players. What was how did Lowell do during the regular season? I know he was the World Series MVP that year. Oh, he killed it. Mike Lowell, the best career year. He had um, 20 – oh, God, hold on. Let me see here. Let me look this up. Mikey Lowell that year back in 07 had 21 homers, 120 RBIs, hit 324. It was his second best year as far as – actually, his highest number of runs batted in, his best batting average. Um, His 21 homers was like fourth or fifth in his career. But, I mean, he was the leader after his first year in Boston – and then after that, it kind of trickled off. But that was his year. Okay. But um, no, I mean, other other than that, I I, I love I love the picks. I think that again, some of them were obvious. I I do feel really really bad. Like looking back at it, everyone had like a couple easy ones, except for Andrew. Uh, Andrew really got hosed um, uh, on this little little draft snafu. Um, but uh, hopefully the next one, you, you, you get your pick of the litter here. Um, otherwise, pretty solid. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I want to go with first. I think I'm going to go – I'm going to break it up, not necessarily in, in order here. So Todd Walker was my second baseman. Um, didn't really have too many great options for the five seasons. Um, he was the second baseman designated hitter. He, he wasn't there for long. Um, I believe Todd Walker was only there for the one year. He was kind of that stopgap player where every single year we had a different guy. Um, I, I went with him that year. It was between Todd Walker in 03 or Mark Bellhorn in 2004. And the reason why I went with, since I had both years, the reason why I went Todd Walker 03 uh, was because I ended up going with a different player in 2004 based on his numbers. But Walker had a, a decent season, hit 283, scored 92 runs, had a 1385 slash, wasn't a huge stolen bases threat, did hit 106, have 166 hits. So he was uh, he was a decent option at second base, not my happiest pick. That is, that's what I'm going to call my Andrew pick of the draft. Um, so just not really – turning heads but filled the position that i needed um 2004 brings me to manny ramirez uh who absolutely tore the cover off the ball had 43 homers 130 rbis hit 308 had 175 hits over 100 runs um absolutely dominated it and uh for those that remember and are keeping score uh the 2004 Boston Red Sox were a team that was just not to be trifled with. You you either, you know, you pitched to Manny Ramirez and didn't deal with David Ortiz or vice versa, but we had two guys with over 100, uh, two guys that had over 40 homers and 130 or more RBIs, and both of them hit thir- uh, 300 or better. It was the, uh, it was an absolute nightmare um, of a lineup. Uh, so that's who I went with in 2004. Um, third option here uh, was actually John Valentin. So I needed a utility infielder. And what he was able to do, it was one of his best statistical seasons. He had 27 home runs, 102 ribbies, uh, 298 batting average, had 155 hits, 108 runs, 
this was back before he ended up being a second baseman, third baseman, shortstop option. He was an exclusive shortstop. This is right before uh, a young superstar shortstop showed up with a, a name that almost didn't even fit on the back of the jersey. I don't have to mention his name. We all know who it is. Um, but I went with John Valentin in 95, and that was another one. I had two utility infielders. So I had uh, Mo Vaughn the following season. And the only reason why I went with Mo Vaughn in uh, 96 as opposed to 95 was just, again, based on his numbers. Mo Vaughn hit 326 slash 44-143-2 with homers, runs batted in, stolen bases, had 207 hits, 118 runs. Uh, he was the MVP that season. For me, it was a no-brainer. Um, and that was the fourth one, which left me with one final pick, that being a closer and or reliever for 2015. And I went with Koji Uehara. Uh, I thought he was the most exciting option uh, that was left on the table. A 2.23 ERA, a 2-4 and four record, did have just 25 saves. But in 40 and one-third innings pitched, registered nine walks, 47 strikeouts. And uh, as everybody remembers, Koji was one of those guys that was really exciting to see come the ninth inning. Um, the Red Sox had back-to-back -back years where they had closers that just did not pan out. And uh, they gave the, uh, the ball to Koji, and he did not disappoint. Um, so Koji was my fifth guy. Um, I, I don't really know if there was any other options I could have made otherwise. I mean, I felt like I had the second easiest set of picks right after Allen, who literally probably made his picks in 30 seconds. Um, but that 15. Was I'm going to leave it open for you guys to tell me what you thought. So my, my only question is you had 2003. Is that correct? That was one of your I, years. So my five years, I had 03, 04, 96, 95, and 2015. Okay. Uh, my only question is in 03, why you went with Walker over Billy Miller. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Filthy in Damn. That's actually – <laughs> you know what? Let's, let's take a look because I don't know – did Bill Miller qualify – for second baseman then oh he might not have if it's second base specific then no he was he was third base but i thought if it was just overall infielder then you know what i stand corrected i will actually you know what you bring a good point after i called out other people you have every right to call me out i was wrong you are right great pickup uh i messed that one up that's a great that's a great solid choice um that was his best year in Boston, too. His first and best year in Boston. Yeah, he was nasty that year. 326, 19 bombs. Yeah. A great call out. Absolutely spectacular. He played short, second, and third. I absolutely love the call out. Love it. Great feedback. He, he did drive in Dave Roberts, though, the following postseason, and everybody forgets that. Everybody remembers the steal. They don't remember Miller driving him in. So. God, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's so now what we're left at, uh we have our, our five picks. Um I, I'd love to have everyone just take a peek back at the nineteen ninety four Boston Red Sox and I want to hear everybody's pick for that year. I wanna know what you guys are thinking. 
I mean, the one that would have made sense the most was Mo Vaughn, but obviously you took him in your picks, so we can't do that. But Mo Vaughn had the best season, I would say, looking at the stats by just about anybody on that team. But, again, unfortunate that you took him. Great pick for you, but mm. what are you going to do? Yeah, so all right. So outside of Mo, since Mo is out, John Valentin is out. Um, who else would be unavail? I know. So, since we live in quarantine times yeah. and there are no rules, I'd like to pick the Red Sox best free agent signing in the 1994 offseason. That was Sammy Sosa. What? <laughs> <laughs> so the Red Sox signed Sammy Sosa that offseason, but it got nullified by the commissioner. I don't know if anyone remembers. What? Yep. I do not remember that at all. Yeah. No. So I, I was a year old, so I wouldn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I heard about it in like 98. And I was like, wait, what? And this has always been one of my favorite Red Sox tidbits. Yeah, the Red Sox signed um, uh, Sammy Sosa, and there was actually a few other signings that the commissioner um, had to nullify because there was a new CBA after the strike. So, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> if you ever want to win a bar bet, the Red Sox definitely signed Sammy Sosa in 1994. That actually hurts my heart. I'm yeah. actually <laughs> – <laughs> I, I'm mad about that. Yeah, that. Well, here, here's what happened though. Um, so I, I'm doing a little research on the Sosa move, and apparently it was similar because it it did revolve around a couple of players that the Red Sox were kind of, uh, you know, they just didn't want to let go of uh, Trot Nixon. I get it. I remember Trot Nixon was a subject in a in a move with the Chicago White Sox for Maglio Ordonez, and never materialized. But they also wanted Steve Lamazny, uh, who I believe was a catcher. Sunwoo Kim was a pitcher. And both of those two, I, I mean, I would have done that in a heartbeat. That's that's uh, that's devastating. But the following year, the Sox ended up signing Manny Ramirez. So all oh, worked out. Steve Lamazny, local guy. I, heard, yeah. I, know that name, I know that name very well. Bring him on to the show next time. Steve, what do you think, Steve? <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So, uh, Kush, who would you have taken in 94? Uh, admittedly, I'm extremely weak with, uh, with nineties, uh, baseball. Baseball was not my first sport, believe it or not. And I don't think any of you guys would guess what my first sport was, uh, unless <laughs> I've told you previously, which, Women's uh, soccer. swimming, no NASCAR. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, yeah, 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 I can see that. NASCAR and uh, boxing were my two sports. Uh, and then once all my heroes in boxing retired, I, I kind of fell into baseball. Um, yeah, but from the Pedro signing forward, though, he was the first player that really captivated me, probably my all-time uh, favorite player. But And, and then Papelbon, a close second. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean... Aaron Seeley, I mean, I remember him vaguely. He didn't have a spectacular year. We would probably kill to have a guy like him this year. Um, what 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 about a guy, even though he didn't do well with the Red Sox that year, what about like Andre Dawson? I saw him as well. His batting average, like you said, he didn't have a great year. He was hit 240 that year, but um, a decent... The Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. That's fine <laughs> if you want to go him. I don't know anything about Ken Ryan, honestly, but he had decent stats out of the bullpen. 
So, you know what's fun about Ken Ryan is Ken Ryan, I feel like he got a lot of fame from being the guy that made the outfield this one game in the 90s look really, really good. So it was the same game. It was Alex Rodriguez's major league debut at the age of 18. John Ballantin, earlier that game, had turned an unassisted triple play. And Ken Ryan comes in after blowing the save the night before. Ken Ryan comes in, and there are three back-to-back-to-back defensive. You could probably, honestly, there's probably a video of this. Um, Three back-to-back-to-back plays that are all, like, defensive web gems. And um, at one point, you thought that uh, one of the players ended up getting injured. My dad was telling me about this. So I remember remember Ken Ryan. I was like, Ken Ryan, Ken Ryan. Um, but that that was one of the first times that I remember really getting passionate about baseball because people were like diving and and making these crazy throws. Um, Ken Ryan is is one guy that I remember didn't you know last too long in the Red Sox um, you know on the Red Sox team, but uh, he was an interesting guy. I, I I know that my pick is only because we didn't have a backup. We don't have a backup catcher. What happens if Tech goes down? So I went with Damon Berryhill. Hmm. I I see that's the thing. Like I saw Damon Berryhill on on the roster, and I have no idea who that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who he yeah. is. Yeah. So he he didn't have um, a, a crazy season, but again, he was just a, a one and done. Only spent one year in Boston, um, and thought, okay, cool. It's either between him, if we need like a speedster, and we had a second catcher, I might go Otis Nixon. <laughs> we're, we're we're legalizing cocaine in this uh, scenario. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> also there for just one year. Um, yeah, I mean that was that was basically. I mean, I thought this to be kind of like a fun little activity. We're all kind of you know on house arrest for the lack of a better term. Um, I thought this was kind of fun. I'm I'm curious to see what you guys thought of it. I thought it was it a was lot of fun. fun. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Course, it was a great idea. Yeah, my ears brought up some terrible memories, but I, other than that, I, yeah, I had a blast doing it. Right on. Cool. Yeah. Terry, I, I'm going to yeah. hand this back off to you. Uh, see what you want to do from here. Yeah, well, basically, we'll wrap. I want you guys to hang out for a second. To, I got to talk to you after the show. But uh, so to kind of let the cat out of the bag, my kind of idea for the next show, which I'd like to do within the next seven to ten days, if we can all find a night uh, in that window. We're going to do the top 10 uh, most hated active baseball players. So this will be a league-wide thing, but we'll get to that. The The groundwork beforehand uh, won't be quite as extensive as this, so I'll explain that. But that's what the, uh, you know, the listening audience can expect. I wouldn't rule out an emergency podcast at any point over the next month, you know, give, you know, if any thing uh crops up that's you know juicy well, they, so yeah they did announce that they finished the finding so yeah that could happen uh, chris sale it's uh it's a mystery as to whether he's had tommy john but he's definitely had tommy john yeah that's so <laughs> weird because they very confirmed Syndergaard's uh tommy john but they yeah. won't announce the chris sale one so i'm a little i i don't think it happened Oh, I think it did, and the Red Sox are just... You do? Yeah, they're just afraid that 
you know, they're going to get caught in a situation where the optics are bad. And I mean, it would be the easiest thing for them to just simply say, no, he hasn't had it yet. Of course he hasn't had it yet. Why would he have elective surgery? He's like four N95 masks stirring it. We can't have that. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I just, I, I lean towards that. He, he probably did, but, but we'll see. All right. We'll see. But anyway, so I uh, hope the hope you all enjoyed it, everyone who tuned in. I don't know how many of you are still on your daily commutes, but thanks for joining us. <laughs>